Or are you listening to this podcast now? Settle in, grab a cuppa, it's all welcome. It's the Velasco Fitness Collective Podcast with James and Ellie. Hey team, welcome to another Velasco Fitness Collective podcast. Uh, rather excitingly, we are joined again by Connor. Hi Connor, how are you doing? Yeah, good, thanks Ellie. Hi Ellie, hi James. Thanks for letting me back in again. Appreciate it. Very, uh, very kind of you. Let me in the back door. <laughs> Absolutely. James, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. So, as we've spoken about already, sun's out. It's like my perfect type of morning. It's like, you know, a couple of degrees, so a bit nippy, but sun's out, no clouds in the sky, nice and fresh. It's a good day. Nice. And it's a Friday, which always makes it a good day. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we are going to kick off with a QA, and a um, as is fairly standard. Slightly different questions this morning, Connor, so brace yourselves. Um, Ready. First question, get you warmed up. What is your next big professional milestone? Um, so, uh, finishing my, my professional chartership, so that's through BASIS, the British Sports Science Association, um so that's yeah finalizing in the next next few months um and then it would just be to sort of set up a, a sort of living breathing consultancy really where um i can hopefully cast the net a little bit wider than just the world of sport i'm i'm interested in in getting into sort of the military settings maybe a little bit of of corporate corporate work um but later down the line trying to to open up performance psychology principles to, to LE or less economically developed countries, so LEDCs. Um, so going out and creating a, a network to some of the countries I've worked in before. So um, Fiji and Ghana, trying to create a, a platform where talent can be nurtured um, and we can develop these kind of holistic skills and, and just give, give those young guys and girls opportunities, really. That would be, that would be a big one. It's just a case of, um, yeah, finding some yeah, some sort of uh, connections to make that a sustainable thing. But that's, yeah, that's probably my, my big ones in the, in the longer, longer distance. Yeah. Love that. Um, okay, next question. If you could design a morning routine, but you could only use three things, three actions, three principles, what would they be? Nice, James. That's, that's a cracker. Um, can I can I incorporate pancakes? <laughs> you can. No, so, uh, I tell you what, I think I'd I'd start um, some sort of cold water immersion. I know it's I know it's a big craze, um, but in terms of an early morning habit, I think it can it can shock the system in some really good ways. So um, I'd probably start with that. It would have to be a I don't want to go all Wim Hof, but it would be a cold water uh, shower or some if you if yeah if, if, if you're living on a farm, get in one of those like big troughs or something and then um i know bear grills has been doing that and then uh and then it would probably just yeah make, make my bed i think that just sends the right signals the right intentions um and then i'm all about fueling so hence why i uh, i spoke about the pancake so i'd probably before even like some sort of breath work routine it would be get some food in me i'm not one of these people who, who can uh, do some intermittent fasting till 2 p.m that doesn't work for me i've got to get up and have my my food in the morning so yeah is, is that right james is that ticket that sounds, that sounds pretty good sounds like a great one and you bud what, what, what would you stick on there just uh what what extra would you add to that do you think <laughs> um mine we i actually me and ellie spoke about this before you joined us um, mine would probably be cold shower coffee and play with oh. sunny i think would probably be my three just to just to set myself up epic man 
get the doggy in there for sure, man. Yeah. I mean, what would yours be? What would mine be? Um, coffee. Um, yeah. I really like drinking coffee in bed before I get up, which is probably, I'm sure there are lots of reasons why that's not very good for me, but I really like it. And actually I find it helps wake me up a bit. Um, it would include listening to music, which is pretty chill, but fairly upbeat. Music has quite a big impact on my headspace. Um, and going for a walk, if I could specify that it was warm and sunny so that I could walk barefoot somewhere nice and nice and sunny. So, yeah. Ellie, I love the barefoot life like that. that I wanna, I'm going to use that as my handle, I swear, in a few years, like the, the <laughs> yeah. barefoot lecturer or something, because that's oh. Funny we could all do it all year round, eh? Climate doesn't quite conduce to that, but yeah. Not in this country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when the world reopens. Um, okay, so last question. Um, a perfect day in the life of Connor. It can have anything in it, any people, anywhere in the world, work, pleasure, combination. Your perfect day. Okay, well, we've already given dogs a, a big rap, a sort of pre-show and, and early show as well. So I think there'd have to be some sort of doggy or, um, yeah, being around animals in some, some capacity. Um, I don't know if I mentioned on the last pub. So my old man was a vet and I think I've had that kind of like instilled that we'd always have random dogs in the house or random animals, stray cats, stray, what, what have you, like those parrots around. So I think it would involve animals in some, in some way. Um, I'd definitely be in the sea. So there'd be a, either a surf or a paddleboard um, or some sort of, yeah, swim or activity. Um, I'd then probably have to chase a ball around. Um, so I guess just yeah something the sport the sport connection I guess so um yeah some sort of um game of tennis or game of uh, rugby on the beach or something like that uh would be massive and then yeah just connecting with with good family and friends in the evening I think it would be a a beach fire um hopefully someone's telling some awesome stories um and I can just kind of kind of kick back um and yeah just yeah, sort of check in that way. That would be that would be awesome. How would it finish? A uh, couple of marshmallows. Uh, yeah, to know maybe. Yeah, something something like that. Really, really, Ellie. That is that is that cool for now? That's yeah, awesome. Right answer. Right answer. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so um, today's podcast um, is something that came about from the last podcast that we did with Connor. It's something that he mentioned and. Having had follow-up conversations, we decided we wanted to explore it a little bit further. So we're looking at the concept that failure doesn't exist. Um, and then in amongst that, we're going to look at attaching self-worth to an outcome and how we can detach from that, what our own perceptions of failure are, um, acceptance um, and no judgment, and what we mean by those terms um, that, are, that we're starting to hear more often. So Connor, I'm going to come to you first, obviously. And I'm going to play devil's advocate slightly. Um, surely by definition, the word failure does exist. Um, but obviously you said you don't think it does. So what, what do you mean by that? And where, where does your thinking on that come from? Okay, I've, I've put myself into a hole by saying I don't, I don't think it exists. Because I mean, it's in the, Ox the Oxford Dictionary, isn't it, guys? So um, I think, I think it, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit. I believe it it clearly does exist and it does 
exist in the kind of like the the mediums that we we access the vernacular we use um i feel like it has just been portrayed and thrown around in a negative shadow and i think i think i just want to sort of maybe dispel that that sort of overarching negativity that that carries that word around into the gym into the workplace into the pub afterwards where you you mean people we, we hear it on a on a day-to-day -day basis and and it does have that negative tinge to it so i guess i want to and and I don't I don't want to bring any cliches in here, but I I guess it's that it's that link that failure has to learning and and obviously if you think about us as as young people or as as part of our kind of our development through life, we've we've ex accelerated our learning through failure or the or the way that failure is is perceived. So when I think of it like that, I I can't see it as a negative thing, and I can't see it as as being something that holds you back. If anything, it, it propels you forward. So um, pardon being all nerdy, I guess, but um, my, my sort of source of, of neuroscience and performance, a guy called Andrew, Andrew Huberman, and he's at Stanford Lab, does some brilliant work. So everybody who listens into this, I think they'd really enjoy his stuff. And he talks all about the idea of neuroplasticity, brain plasticity, the, the capacity we have to learn anything and develop new skills and go beyond setbacks that's accessed when we actually go towards failure or we go towards a setback. So essentially what happens is whenever we make an error, and this is, this is massive when we're, when we're developing, but we can do it now in, in uh, post-adolescence, in, in that as soon as there's an error or some sort of perception of failing at something, that triggers a uh, norepinephrine response or basically a brain's adrenaline response. Now, what you've got then is that the exact next mechanism is acetylcholine which is our focus um, neurotransmitter now it's at that gateway where you've either got i guess some portions of a population that would run away from that they'd run away from that setback and that early transmission of adrenaline and therefore there's no capacity to learn from it so in that instance ellie failure would be existing in the way that it's portrayed in the media because you've decided to run away from what is an entry to dopamine which is the next transmitter which is um the ability to reward yourself the ability to learn the ability to problem solve so i guess there's two gateways really um and what what i'd quite like to i think we're going to hopefully discuss today and, and and sort of pass down is how can we be aware of that that kind of system in action for ourselves in the day-to-day -day? like what's that error are we are we using that to actually focus our attention and energy and go after it maybe through a perception shift and then after that, that then leads to, to learning and adapting. So um, that's a very long-winded way of going around it. But I, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that failure, of course, it exists because it's a word that's in the dictionary. But I feel like we can use it. We can mobilize it. Or we can do the opposite, which is we can run away, run away from it. So, yeah, that's a, that's a long way around again. But I'll, no, I'll no. try it off that way. Awesome. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it, it, it's good to hear it into into that um kind of context i guess so so maybe what we're talking about rather than failure not actually existing is that we're we're reframing experiences that we have from good and bad into useful and how yeah. we then apply that so what we hear people talking about reframing quite a bit what in 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 this particular context when we're saying that failure in inverted commas doesn't exist how how do we then reframe what we're doing because surely if we're talking about things which are failure is, is negative that's, that's something that we have chosen to attach to an outcome right 
Yeah, of course, Ali. Um, and I think it's obviously part of, are you using that as your narrative? So are you using, are you using failure into your day-to-day -day life? Or can you, have you developed a negative relationship with, with the word failure? That would be a first port of call. And, and if you have, then just reframe it because the power of language, the power of, I guess, semantics in a way to coin something as um, an obstacle or a setback, if that's softer, then, then you see it less of this kind of destructive outcome and more a gateway or more something to, to use and propel yourself. So, yeah, I think we put, we put an outcome on failure too quickly. We should see it as part of a, a process, part of a journey. Sorry for being cliched, but part of that kind of like, um, yeah, that, that continuous learning. So rather than putting a, a ceiling on exercises and experiences, see if you can kind of push that ceiling up through changes, as you say, changes in words, changes in framing. Yeah. I think it's probably worth putting a little bit of a spotlight on that because as, as, we've, as we've already kind of touched on, success and failure, by definition, both exist. But as, as, as you say, you know, how you, how you choose to view something will decide as to how you categorize success and failure. What's the, how, how does, how does the subjective nature of failure look for, for different people in different situations? So, you know, something that I might, something that might be kind of hugely catastrophic for me to somebody else might, might be a much more positive experience. Like if I was to lose a thousand pounds and somebody else was to lose a thousand pounds in, in any kind of given venture, obviously that how that is perceived is, is very subjective. How does, how does that look for different people in different environments with different tasks at different times of life? What's your, what thoughts, what thoughts have you got? To yeah, that's no, quality, James. Um, I think it comes back to what, what perceptions are you taking from your external environment, whether that's the, the communities you're in, whether that's the, the kind of the connections and the social comparisons you make, which either confound that event, confound that success or perception of success and failure. So just, I guess, shining a, shining a spotlight on, on why, why you're viewing something with, with each lens. So if you're viewing it, as you say, if you're viewing it through the lens of failure, is that truly something that's coming from within you and your own appraisal of it? Or are you comparing yourself to, let's say, Catherine on the squat rack next to you or the person opposite you in the office who's just got a raise? So I guess you, you can look at that introspective piece again and, and just figure out, you know, is this a product of my environment and what can I do to, to shift my perception? Or is this coming from myself? i.e. some sort of developed perfectionistic trait or um, limiting belief or self-defeating mechanism that I can, I can slowly, and it's not going to be an overnighter, but I can slowly look to, as you just said, James, re-perceive re and re-shift. It goes back to that reframing. But I guess just putting your feelers out there and, and realizing where that, where that mindset might be coming from um and can you look at it through more of a compassionate lens so rather than a geez man i'm just constantly beating myself up because i'm trying to compare myself to this or reach this let's let's break it back back to to more of a an interest a curiosity in something rather than a 110 percent pursuit of something um so yeah i guess that age, age old adage of not putting all your eggs in one basket just tentatively putting ones that you know you can you can get to yeah so does that, would you suggest people play it safe so that they, 
I guess by definition, never fail. Like if 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 I always played within the realms of what was comfortable for me and, and where I knew I would be successful, I wouldn't have to worry about the potential like fear of failure and and almost having to reframe things. What what would you would you suggest that that's a, a worthwhile route for people to take? What what are your um, Not necessarily. Um, I think. I think there's there's a case for stretch. Like I said earlier, that idea of if you want to develop at anything, there needs to be a failure a failure response. So, but then it it can't be too overarching. Like I think it's this this idea of having four percent incremental improvements. So you're looking to to stretch yourself, and this ties into goal setting really. So giving yourself a process goal that you're it's not going to completely overwhelm you but it's just about manageable, but along that route, and this is important, I guess, James, and we'll, I think we're gonna to touch upon this, but along that route to trying to, to achieve that goal and to stretch yourself 4%, can you set yourself, um, or can you envisage obstacles and can you be happy with those obstacles? Can you detach your full worth and self-identity from that process as well? So that if you don't get there, it isn't the end of the world and it's not ca catastrophic thinking. So. I guess in a, in a nutshell, we need playing it safe. It, it will suit in certain situations where you need that confidence booster of getting something done that you, you know you can get done. But if you're after neuroplasticity and you're after learning and you're after self-development, we need to put ourselves out on a limb a little bit. That would be my, my big thing is to say a little bit, not too much. Otherwise, that's when negative emotions can get involved. Nice. Connie, you, you just touched on something really personal there for me. And you, you mentioned this um, attaching self-worth um, to specific outcomes. Um, it's something that I, I hear a lot. Um, the nature of what we do at the gym, that it's functional fitness, it's competitive. And one of, the, one of the real things about what we do at the gym is that everything is measurable. So we can measure if we're getting stronger. We can measure if we're getting fitter. We can even measure if we're getting more skilled, which has a huge number of benefits for all sorts of reasons. It keeps us accountable. It gives us goals. It creates that sense of satisfaction when you realize that you are stronger. You know, it gives you something to celebrate. And if you celebrate something, you elevate and all those sorts of really positive things. But the downside of that, or what it can also create, is that people then start attaching self-worth to an outcome, which mm -hmm. they then don't achieve what they want to, becomes super negative, and they start beating themselves up about it. How do people go about starting to detach themselves or detach their self-worth from specific outcomes? Um, I think uh, an initial strategy could be to... to to identify or to develop multi-dimensional identities. And so rather than having a, a unidimensional identity of I'm just a CrossFit trainer, I'm just, you know, I'm just X or Y. If that's the case, then all of your worth, all of your um, successes, failures, what have you, is aligned with that one identity. So if you can kind of spread your identity into, again, let's use some funky pseudonyms, but Francesca, the, um, the animal lover, Francesca, the person who's into Russian or French as well. And, and, and also, yeah, just somebody who's, who views 
if if that's your your side of it then someone who views exercise as a continuum not a closed door as a lifestyle habit as a health habit rather than just a an achieving goals habit and persona then then you've got some buffers you've got some fallbacks that would be one so just trying to to spread your self-worth out so that one aspect of that self-worth let's say it takes a hit you've got other fallbacks and i've used that with athletes in this current period where they've lost their athletic identity due to covid well fortunately i've been lucky to have some amazing young guys and girls who have other avenues other hobbies so therefore they're not getting the same kind of um lack of sports stress or lack of sport depression that kind of side of thing so that would be one idea i think ellie a secondary one would be to set yourself um what i sort of term as gold silver and bronze expectations where let's say you you um commit to a pursuit um whether that is um just going going in the gym and trying to yeah trying to go for your personal best lift but making sure that you can have an honest appraisal of yourself you can still do the same processes you can still do the kind of techniques that maybe we explored last time about clearing your head having a clear focus aligning it with your values but let's say that it's just not your day and and let's say that you don't achieve that whatever it is 100 kg clean and jerk or have you then you know that you've actually already anticipated that you visualized a potential setback to be there and you've given yourself a silver which is you still go through the processes and it just doesn't happen on the day but you can honestly look in the mirror and say you know what? i'm happy with silver because i know i've committed bronze could be you know same thing i've i've gone for it and i just didn't quite catch it at the end but again you know i i had my decision making i committed and maybe something to do with the execution is something I can reflect on. And this is key, something I can reflect on rather than shy away from. Again, that's where we go to that entry point from that acetylcholine to the dopamine. Don't, don't just have that big banner of failure there and you run away like tail between your legs kind of thing. See if you can ease towards it and, and be curious about maybe why it didn't happen rather than, you know, sort of punching yourself about it. Um, so I guess that's two sides of it, really. So one along that multidimensional identity and the second around how you can actually anticipate and, and give yourself buffers, really. Connor, that, that view, that, especially that second, the, the second point that you've made, for me rings really true of kind of like a kind of well i'll use i'll use the term and maybe you can summarize it for people listening a growth a growth mindset and a fixed mindset yeah can you hopefully you can see you know why i'm kind of likening that to the second point that you made can you just for people listening share your i guess definition or, or your thoughts on the idea of a growth mindset and a fixed mindset yeah, it's um, it's something that is, is obviously thrown around a lot, James. And I've I've been cautious within sport and exercise not to over uh, sort of use it because it doesn't have too much literature in the sport and exercise setting. They've they've exclusively tested it. it's Carol Dweck's work in um in Cali, and I think it was it was all about the classroom, wasn't it? And and it ties in again to that neuroplasticity idea in adolescence and in childhood. But there's some good takeaways. There's some really good takeaways, and it's this idea of of not giving yourself a ceiling. Um, it's this idea of the power of not yet. She uses a lot. So not saying, okay, I haven't done this or I haven't done that. It's I haven't done it yet. So that you're still, you're still curious about it. You're still intrigued as to, to unopening different doors that might elevate your performance. Is it something to do with the sleep you got the night before? Is there a nutrition? I don't like this word, but I'm going to use it. Is there a nutritional hack that you could be doing to kind of like elevate your performance? So it's just, 
rather than having a um yeah and yeah obviously it goes back to rather than having an outcome orientation um or an ego orientation this is key so rather than seeing something as either attacking your ego or taking away from your self-ego you view it through a task lens so what is the task how do i break it down i.e how can i grow use the growth idea how can i how can i grow through this task so it ties in a bit james to that perception it ties a bit into um the yeah the way you appraise a situation and also how much you you view it as a, a healthy task rather than something that's going to determine your identity your ego um but yeah that would be my my rough explanation of the the growth and and uh, fixed yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know in asking that question, it's, you know, it, it's a big question and, and one that could be defined in a whole host of ways, but it's, that's a really nice summary. For, for me, it's kind of how, we, how you take something quite binary, like pass or fail, and you make it, you know, you, how you turn win-lose into win-learn. And I know you referenced Carol Dweck, for anyone listening that wants a, a, a good a good read she she's written a book called mindset which is a, a really cool really cool book to get your teeth stuck into if you're looking for something to add to the reading list from the idea of a growth mindset then and, and we've talked about you know how people detach their self-worth maybe not putting all their eggs in one basket and defining themselves as an athlete so that when something within the realm of them being an athlete doesn't go as planned you know they have a have a a larger crisis than if it was just part of their overall um part of their overall lifestyle what are your thoughts on so, so one of the in relation to mindset one of the things that i've heard talked about quite a bit are the different kind of levels of mindset like a victim mindset you know pessimist optimist what are your what what are some what do I mean when I use those terms? What are some examples of how somebody might take a situation and view them through the the different kind of lenses of mindset? Yeah, so I think the the parallel to a, to a look at there would be the current again. I, I hate harping on about the current situation, but let's let's say you've got a um, an outcome in your environment. So let's say you have a, a pandemic, or you have a a potentially more ex existential like destructive force something that's going to impact on your day-to-day -day, and it's a form of adversity i.e i'm not going to be able to get back on the pitch i'm not going to be able to prove my worth back in the office because i can't go to the office you can either look at that situation and then view it again this goes through the lens idea of this is something that's going to define me and i'm the victim of this situation it goes back to narrative it goes back to the language that you use around that particular event or that adversity now if you're if you're seeing yourself as a victim one i guess that that's almost only going to have negative connotations to it there's going to be emotions of um sort of a bit of maybe a bit of depression because you you can't see a way out of being a victim um let's say that uh, you, yeah, I guess you get sort of stuck in a rut really where there's no, there's no sources of optimism and it's, and it's the thing that you carry with you. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because if you view yourself as a victim, your body language sort of backs that up. And then you get that, that sort of muscle mind connection where you're, you're looking at yourself and you're seeing yourself and maybe a little bit disheveled or a little bit negative, And then it just spirals. It just escalates. Now there are obviously interventions and ways of getting out of that kind of mindset and place but if to flip it onto the more optimistic side now the 
the thing here is I'm glad you said optimistic mindset because there's a difference between optimistic and a positive mindset because I might be wrong. Again, I'm not, I'm not a neuroscientist, but my understanding would be that there's almost no such thing as an exclusively positive mindset because we're negatively, negatively biased human beings. Again, that's what's kept us alive. It's what's detected threat. But the, the idea of being rationally optimistic, and this comes from... Uh, Martin Seligman's work. He was a positive psychologist who got people to to overcome sort of the Vietnam War and look at things through more of an optimistic, more of a a, uh, a challenge versus threat mindset. And what that does is it just it shifts the way you view little things. It gives you it gives you different ways to appraise the situation. So let's say, okay, right, I've got the pandemic. I can't go. I can't go to the gym. Well, instead of then just kind of like being on the sofa and letting that kind of like slink into a, a, an apathy and a, and a lack of an a motivation, you think, right, well, what can I do? It's like, oh, it's, it's calisthenics time or it's time to like get hold of something online that I can, I can latch onto. That's, that's not you being like hell's bells overly positive. It's just like that rational optimism. What can, I, what can I see in my environment that I can latch onto and be like, yeah, that was a nice thing today. That was a good thing today. And it, and it, then it kind of like, um, it's, it's a moving vehicle. So it's the reason why people do their gratitude practices in the evening. So why did I, yeah, name three things that, that I, can, I can look at through a positive lens today. And once you've done that, and you've done that kind of like that appraisal, the next morning, typically you're waking up in, I believe, and this is the research that backs up, it's this three good things research for those of you um, listening, you're interested. And, and then that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of the way you view things the next day. So you've got, you've got the polar opposites really there, um, James. So yeah, that idea of victim and then that idea of optimistic mindset, but, but being rational with it, not kind of just wanting to be all sunshine and rainbows because, you know, there's some, there's some low lows there as well. So it's trying to keep it sort of above neutral, um, but yeah, little, little victories. Nice. You, you've touched on something that we've, that we've briefly kind of brought up in, in our podcasts before and the idea of, you know, we, we've, we've said before on the podcast that you are the sum total of the people that you surround yourself with. Similar idea to the, the mindset of a, of a, you know, the victim mindset or a pessimist mindset becoming a little bit self-fulfilling. You, you, you see more of what you look for. And I think that's where gratitude journaling comes in. If you're, if you start every morning or you finish every day with just a little summary of the two or three, you know, two, two or three things that you're grateful for or thankful for that day or the previous day, when you start looking for the small things that made you feel grateful, you start to notice more of them. And equally, if you, adopt a bit of a victim mindset and start to almost dwell on the things that have upset you or frustrated you or the things that didn't go your way neurologically you will start to notice more of those things um i think i can't remember who it was but there's a an activity and i'm pretty sure i've shared it before where if i if i told you to shut your eyes if i well if i yeah if i told you to shut your eyes and then gave you 10 seconds to open them, recall everything in the room that was read and close them again. You'd probably notice, you know, a whole host of things. You'd probably be able to recall 10, 15, 20 things in the room that were read. If I then said to you, okay, how many things did you see that were blue? You weren't necessarily looking for things that were blue. So you might find three or four, but they would be much harder to come by than, than what you were actually looking for. So I, I really like the idea of, really putting a spotlight on the things that 
align with the person and the lifestyle and the mindset that you want to have and that you want to be slightly kind of cheesy or fanboyish, I guess, but you know, Matt Fraser often talks about the things, you know, asking yourself, does this action align with the athlete that I want to be? You know, in his case, it was winning the CrossFit games for a fourth time, a fifth time. Does this action align with the type of person that would win the CrossFit games this year? No. Okay, cool. I need to find something that does, or, or yes, it does. How would that person approach it? They would do this. Okay, cool. That's what I'm going to go and do. So I really, really like that. Have you, um, have you heard of the concept? It's a Simon Sinek concept of the, the kind of finite and infinite mindset. It's, it's kind of similar to the idea of a, a fixed or a growth mindset. Is that something that you've kind of come across kind of in your, in your kind of work and your experience before? Not, not as such. I've got Simon Sinek's book. I'm yet to, to delve into it. The, the bookshelf's looking a little bit like your, uh, your cookery books bookshelf, Ellie. It's, uh, it's there, there to be attacked, but small, small steps. But I guess I just want to, I want to allude to a point you made, actually, James, just beforehand about um, Matt Fraser using like a filtering system. And that latches quite nicely onto what we looked at last week, the idea of present moment awareness and present moment at- attention is a very nifty skill to, to focus your commitment and your energy towards things that give you meaning, that align with your values, that get you really connected. I think I gave the example of, um, you know, being, being nice at a, at a barbecue, meeting 10 people, but then slowly gravitating to the one person who you know you're going to get that little microflow conversation from. And, and I, I, think, I think that's really cool because it's something that's, that's often sort of spoken about in a fluffy sense is this, is this value-based acting and this value-based existing. But it's, it's my first port of call with, with any athlete, any, any driven performer is, you know, why, why am I doing this in the first place? Before you even, it's that, that age-old adage of goals, goals kind of show you where to go, but values are what gets you in the gym. Values are what get you, you know, out on a run that get you sort of doing these, these different things. So I guess I just wanted to kind of, I heard that Matt Fraser analogy and I really liked it. It got me thinking, right, well, if you're aware of what gives you energy and you're aware of what takes energy away from you, well, lean towards the, the light without getting philosophical, then, then slowly going towards the, the things that you know are going to self-fulfill and, and, and spiral. Um, the Simon Sinek work, infinite versus finite. I, I wouldn't, I don't know it well enough to know how it, how it differs from the growth and fixed, James. So I don't know if you want to, offer in there but executed and, and talked about quite heavily within a business sense you know being a, a Simon Sinek thing you know, he talks a lot about leadership and it's the idea that uh, a finite mindset has you know in his words it has known players it has fixed rules it has um, a, a kind of finite end point versus you know companies and leaders and people that operate with an infinite mindset where the players change the rules aren't yeah. fixed yeah. the end point find um and you often see, you know, the most successful leaders in business and the most successful companies and things like that often operate very much with a with a, an infinite mindset. Right. Okay. I know, um, yeah, I know what you're on. Um, yeah. Okay. So sorry, sorry for introduction, but yeah. So I think in terms of the the psychological concepts that 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 infinite mindset would benefit, the big one is this idea of psych safety. So psychological safety um, is Amy Edmondson's work. I think, um, but essentially, it's the concept of creating uh, expression creating individuality in a workplace for people like like a, your, your center down the road, um, Ellie and James, and just 
making people know that they can be authentic, they can be themselves. Therefore, you know, you're boosting the productivity, you're boosting their experiences, and you're not you're not putting lids on things because that's what leads to again like cognitive diversity, personal diversity, growth, stretching, you know, realizing potential. Um, it also, James, it, it massively ticks that autonomy aspect of, of individual motivation because you're giving people the realms to to do their thing and to challenge the people higher up. I, the the kind of the Apple the no rules culture that um, Netflix had. Sorry, um, that idea of sort of counterculture. You know, the, the the little man's as big as the big man kind of thing. Because I quite like that. I, th I think the important thing with it is that finite goals and finite mindset is okay and it does have its place because those are your your goals your check-ins you know <clears throat> an infinite game is is almost built up of many finite smaller finite games but knowing that they are all contributing to an, an overall infinite game it's, it's that idea of or as, as you've already alluded to Connor your your kind of short-term goals etc all being set and filtered and measured as part of a larger you know, macro view of your values mm. as an individual. So one, one of the things that I, I really liked that you've already touched on is almost having a bit of a plan and having, you know, that you, you've, you talked about it through the filter of having a, a gold, silver and bronze mentality. Um, can we touch a little bit more on that? Because I think for a lot of people, it might seem a bit kind of conceptual. It might seem a little bit um, like nice idea. How do how do people actually? What what's like what's real life application of that? I I know um, you the other day you you kind of shared something that you've got coming up, which actually helped me really understand the idea of a, of a gold, silver, and bronze kind of outcome. Um, what do you mind sharing a little bit more? Um, yeah, thanks, James. Um, I think the first one would be to, to give a, an example for, for the listeners. So without my, my little mini pursuit that's coming up in a few months, I think it's almost just having a little, it sounds, sounds weird, but almost like tricking human motivation. So let's say like a bronze, a bronze standard. And the key to this, James, is having like, a, again, that non-judgmental thing. So realizing that you can, your um, you can set a bronze goal, you can set a uh, silver expectation, and you can set a gold expectation or an appraisal of an event. But honestly, having that, and this does take courage, but being able to look in the mirror and take away your ego, take away your preconceptions and be like, if I achieve bronze, silver, gold, that's okay. You know, that's, that's absolutely fine. Okay, maybe you'll allow yourself to achieve gold and give yourself maybe a little bit more of a, I don't know, yeah, pat on the back. But I guess it's that idea of bronze could be literally just putting your shoes on and getting out there for a run. Because when you do that, and when you've actually done that, yes, you've, you've done the hard part in terms of motivation. But also, as we know, I guess this goes into the habits psychology stuff. But as you know, that then starts to mobilize into a silver because our mind, we're, we're competitive creatures. So once we've achieved bronze, we're like, okay, I've, I've got to bronze. Let's see if we can get make that 5K into a 10K. Um, but then again, if the, the, the ceiling for that person is 10K on that day, then that's fine. You go home, you tick silver, I'm happy with silver. If you manage to find extra sources of motivation on that run and you do transcend that to gold, then again, you know, quality, awesome, awesome stuff. But it, it just gives you like a minimal standards um, and it gives you a, a way of not kind of 
yeah, not being self-defeating, not being kind of like uh, too miserable or frustrated. Um, and again, it definitely ties into that idea of, of seeing failure as a, as a kind of like a continuum. So the example I've got is a stand-up paddleboarding challenge, um, which I'm using as like a little mini performance psychology case study, I guess would be the right term. Um, so it's for my university students. They sort of semi-challenged me. They were like, right, Con, you, you know, you, you say all of this stuff, but like, what do you, what do you actually do? You know, you haven't played rugby sevens or what have you for a long time. Uh, and I tell them it was only a year ago, but it's fine. We'll let them have that one. And, um, and anyway, so I'm, I'm doing a, a paddleboarding challenge at the start of summer. It's nothing, it's nothing elaborate, but it has some key features to both me and what I want to get out of it. So the first one is, um, the idea of bigger picture thinking. So I'm doing it for, um, I'm thinking, I need to interview a few charities, but I'm thinking for like a dog rescues trust. Um, so just being, I guess, aware of that motivational triangle, if you think that part of it is that relatedness to so doing something for others or doing something for bigger than yourself. Now, and any of us who've listened to the adventure uh, literature, uh, there's a lot of people who are again, rowing across the Atlantic or going up Everest. A lot of them revert back to, I'm doing this for, this person i'm doing this because i had an encounter with someone who was suffering with x and every time i got that image in my head it meant that you know it wasn't as bad i guess that's a fluffy way of describing that but being aware of how if you've got something bigger than yourselves yes it's, it's awesome and i actually can't wait to like you know do this for a charity but it can transcend your own performance the other bit is to use it as an educative vehicle so i'm going to use some performance psychology skills some visualization a little bit of what we call if then planning as well um, as well as some sort of on the water mental skills and interventions. So that's that education piece, I guess, which I'm then going to report back to my students and some of my clients that I work with and see how it applies. And then the third bit, which is that competitive bit, um, which I'm, not, I'm going to view in the gold, silver, bronze is, I've forgotten the guy's name. It's on like SUP Border Mag. But basically he's gone around the Isle of Wight where I grew up in 23 hours, 59 minutes. And um, I don't know if that's a, <laughs> it's a number that almost sounds too, too obvious. It's like, well, he, he definitely just beat the day there, didn't he? So, yeah. So anyway, I, I'm pretty keen to, to draw into that. The last bit, which is um, like mastery or competence. I want to, I want to nail that. I'm going to do this because I really want to get, I guess, beat this guy's time, but just see how fast I can do it in really. So there's, there's different strands to it. Now with that part of it, that 23 hours, let's say, 58 minutes just to be cheeky beaten by a minute um that's where i could be like right if i get that that's gold standard great you know i'll have my beer in a little well, probably won't be an isle of white pub but let's say i'll have a beer with my dad on the beach afterwards um silver standards i still commit i still go through my processes i'm still doing it for charity awesome i'm still doing it as an educative piece quality that's silver i can walk away with that and be like that's fine bronze is all of the above still but I happen to just kind of have to finish because of the weather or, you know, I, it gets too much, let's say I can't, I physically can't achieve it. And that's bronze. But, but knowing that again, even with bronze, I know that a lot of it, the things that were out of my control have, have made it bronze. I've still stuck to my controllable processes and I've still done it for something bigger than myself. So yeah, James, I guess, I guess that's, that's kind of my, my example in a little bit of like a mini nutshell um I, I would say watch this space but um i, I don't know i don't know if i want to <laughs> too much of the uh, the pressure side of things but yeah no so that's and when's your challenge um ellie so it's massively tidal dependent so um i'm gonna i'm gonna scout it out once we're, we're allowed back to the island in march um, i'm thinking sort of may may june time so 
yeah um but no that's i guess that's a little mini gold silver bronze for you guys i guess amazing absolutely love that um well good luck with it make sure you keep us posted with uh your training and uh how you get on and actually when you fix the date for for your challenge um as always we we've been talking for nearly an hour um it's been it's been wonderful to talk to you connor and thank you massively for your time and your input today um I wanted to close this podcast out with something a little bit different today. So based on the huge amount of learning that is available as a result of this podcast for, for, for all of us listening, I wondered if you could set us, people listening, a small, short, easy task that means that we can apply what we've learned from you in the podcast today. Yeah, I think let's um, sort of strike while the kettle's hot on that gold, silver, bronze analogy, if I could, just sort of getting people to, to maybe look at, look at something they're setting themselves for this weekend. Um, and it could be like that idea of stretching yourself by 4%, um, because again, being aware of that's where we access that learning and, and we can transcend failure, yes, but, um, but also just practicing that, practicing, you know, having some sort of like a minimum standards that you're happy with, having some buffers so you can take your identity and your self-worth out of it. So just give yourself like a little, a little one exercise that's going to stretch you that healthy amount. Um, but you can give yourself bronze, silver and gold and then do an honest appraisal afterwards, whether that's like a little diary entry or whether that's you chatting to your, your spouse or your other half and being like, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm silver with that one and I'm cool with that one. So, um, yeah, that, that would be would be one of them, really, um, Ellie. And maybe maybe a secondary that, that goes back to what we discovered, uh, sorry, explored at the start, which is understanding why we view things as failure. So where... Where does that where does that maybe come from? Trying to do a slightly deeper dive into prior experiences and their influence on on our perception of failure. Um, whether that's something just making things yeah. So just again looking at a an, an exercise or an activity and putting your awareness sort of um, antenna out there and be like okay I'm I'm feeling this as a as a result of some sort of social comparison. Let's just park that. Let's just leave that kind of failure lens out of this and and come back to me. And my and again my my process my helpful action in this in this exercise or in this moment in the day so yeah a little bit of that kind of introspective bit as well um, whether that's through communication for people whether that's through journaling uh, whether that's like an on the on the spot little check in little headspace mind mind gym idea for thirty seconds yeah I suppose that'll be good before before we close out I've got another question I've got a question on the idea of reward. So I know it's not unusual for people to almost, almost plan a reward for, for specific milestones to support their goals. So when I lose a stone, I will treat myself to a whole new wardrobe of gym gear, or I've done it before where I set myself a lifting milestone. When I make this lift, I'm gonna buy myself a new pair of lifting shoes. From a sports psych perspective, is that good, bad, indifferent? Does it depend? I think, you know, we've talked about detaching self-worth from specific goals. What's the, does that make it worse? Because it almost further defines and highlights 
win or lose, or is that does that have its place? I think, yeah, I, th- I think it does have its place, James, because you know that can be a, a brilliant source of self confidence, or um, using sports site jargon, it can it can enhance your self-efficacy. So the belief that you have in your, say, athletic ability can be improved through achieving that goal and rewarding yourself as a, as a supplementary kind of benefit of that process. The disclaimer there, though, James, would be that if that is your sole motivation and that is your sole drive, then I think it can be unhealthy because you're going to lose sight of the journey. Again, you're going to lose sight of the, the moving parts within achieving that goal. So... Yes, I think that's that can be a, like a really nice byproduct of achieving something, a nice a nice sort of um yeah, a little byproduct, but I think I think the key in terms of sustained motivation and sustained drive towards anything is falling in love with that journey to getting it there, falling in love with the the little steps on the ladder. And yes, the cherry on top I'd say is that that new pair of gym shoes. Um, cause I, I mean, I like that it's, and again, it, and it gives you that, that small dopamine release, doesn't it? It gives you that small kind of reward system, um, as well. So yeah, um, I think that's, that's probably my, my take. I don't know if it's a sports psych take. So yeah, a bit of an, it, it depends answer, I guess. So I think on that note team, there's, there's, this, this is another one of those conversations that there's so many questions and offshoots that I, I want to go down and, you know, tap into your your knowledge, Connor, and your your opinions of. Um, hugely valuable as always. I love talking about this sort of stuff, and I think your you know your idea of gold, silver, and bronze is something I really like the idea of. I think most people know how to, I guess, know how and why they should take the positives from from every situation, and and I think you get better at it the more you do it. I think it's very easy to to talk about the idea of you know failure and actually you know instead of being win lose it becoming win learn and reflecting on things and actually pulling the positives out of something that maybe in the moment doesn't feel that positive. I think have confidence because the more you do that sort of thing, the easier it becomes. Depending on how you work best, you know you can plan for those situations as, as Connor's spoken about today. You can have you can pre-plan your emotional reactions to an extent. If you know you're returning to the gym and the first session back might go really, really well, but might not go so well, actually thinking ahead of time about, okay, if it goes really well, this is how I'm going to react. If it maybe doesn't go so well, these are the positives that I'll be able to pull out of, of that day. You know, The fact that I turned up in the first place, the fact that I've got my first session back out of the way, the fact that I got to see people that I might not have seen for a few months. You, know, you can pre-plan the things that you want to put your focus on if identifying those things in the moment is something that you struggle with which which we all do so there's a there's an awful lot of 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 real worth to take from from this topic and this conversation connor as always thank you so much for your thoughts your your views your ideas your opinions um i for one certainly want to kind of carry this on and, and kind of have you back to further this conversation as you know as always Ellie, thank you for your time this morning. Hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. Absolutely loved it. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, that was that was awesome being on on today. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot from you too as well. So thank you. Yeah, let's keep this keep this rolling, James. That was really cool. Hundred percent. Thanks, Connor. Team, as always, if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, if there's a specific topic or anything that we've touched on 
even skimmed over today that you want to hear us go a bit further with or a bit deeper with, just let us know. Just drop us a, a, a message on the Valesco Fitness Collective Instagram or drop one of us a message independently. I've put the Instagram links for the three of us in the um, podcast notes. So you should be able to find the three of us on Instagram and, and follow up with any questions that you might have. Ellie, thank you for this morning. Connor, as always, huge thank you for your time. We will see you all again soon. Have a lovely day.